The sun was high in the crystal blue sky as my men and I ventured into the fairy wood. Once the cover of trees came over us, we couldn't tell day from night. We traveled for several hours in utter silence into the darkness, with nothing but our torches, a compass, and a map to tell us we were headed in the right direction. If I timed it right, we would arrive in the heart of the forest just before sunset. Just enough time to set the trap, hide, and wait. Captain? A trembling voice whispered through the dark. What is it, Smee? I grumbled, turning my torch toward him. How do we know you've gone far enough into the fairy wood? He asked. Why must we venture so far in? This map shows us where we need to go, I said, holding up the parchment. We must get to the heart of the forest if we hope to capture a fairy. And we capture one with a lantern? Smee asked, cutting an overgrown bush with his sword. Among other things, I murmured as we came upon a stream. I looked at the map, right on track. I turned to face the line of men. Not much farther, boys. Be on your guard. We've entered fairy territory. We clomped through the rippling waters of the stream. Our heavy steps caused loud splashes as we trudged on. After cutting our way through a dense area of brambles, we came upon a clearing in a valley. The tree canopy parted and dimming sunlight streamed through the branches. A soft breeze blew, catching the leaves and creating shadows that danced on the grass-covered ground. This is it, I said, looking to my map one more time for reassurance. Captain? Smee asked. Spread word through the lines that we've arrived. Get Harlow and Blackburn to create a perimeter around the area while I head to the center and set the trap. Aye, aye, Captain, Smee said, turning on his heel. And Smee, I added, grabbing his arm. Make sure the men know the seriousness of this venture. Fairies can be deadly when cornered. This must go off without a hitch. Yes, sir, he said, heading through the line of men with my orders. I pulled my leather satchel of supplies tight to my shoulder and descended into the clearing. I made quick work of setting up the trap. I dug a small hole in the dirt, big enough to hold the base of the lantern. Taking the jar of honey, I poured more than half into the hole. I pulled out the ironwork lantern. It was a beautiful piece. Instead of glass windows, it featured intricate filigree work in a tight lattice that covered it entirely. I placed the lantern in the hole over the honey. That should be enough to hold it steady, I mumbled to myself. I pushed the button on the pocket watch, exposing the broken face. Dropping a small dollop of honey on the back of the watch, I placed it inside the lantern. Delicately, I rigged the door of the lantern with a twig, some fishing line and an old spring so it would stay open easily, but would snap shut with a quick tug of the line. Lastly, I set the beeswax candles, in no particular pattern, to light the area with their soft glow. Fairies were intelligent creatures. However, they lacked common sense and had a great deal of curiosity that tended to get them in trouble. By the time I finished laying the trap, Mr. Smee was walking toward me. I turned and quickened my pace to meet him, unspooling the fishing line as I walked. We're ready, Mr. Smee. Smee followed me to the edge of the clearing. Captain, I understand how this could lure a fairy, but how exactly do you plan to keep her in the lantern? Can't she just use her magic to free herself? Your sexist attitude is appalling, Mr. Smee, I teased. Not all fairies are female. Do we need to have a talk about how baby fairies are made? Mr. Smee blushed crimson. I, I didn't mean of, of course I know how. He took off his cap and used it to wipe the sweat from his face. I couldn't help but laugh at his flustered behavior. Relax, man. I'm just having a bit of fun. 